0: G'day everybody, this is Greg Ryan and welcome to episode 13 of Rare and Resilient 1 in 5000 podcast and today we are joined by Laura and Ryan who are the parents of nine-year-old Peyton who was born with cloaca and whose story is story number 59 in the book, page 129. So first of all, Laura, would you like to just read your story, and then we'll have a chat afterwards.
1: Sure. Our beautiful daughter, Peyton, was born at 9.35 p.m. via emergency C-section on a cold winter evening. She came a few days before her due date, determined to splash into this world on her own terms and in her own time. It is almost nine years later and nothing has changed. She's a force to be reckoned with, determined, independent, energetic, and sweet. We knew early on that Peyton would have some challenges. At our 20-week ultrasound, the radiologist noticed a growth on one of Peyton's kidneys. One kidney was also smaller than it should be. They referred us to the doctors who run the special delivery unit at Children's Hospital in our state. Extensive testing concluded that Peyton would be born with an anal rectal malformation called cloaca. She would have to come via C-section to protect her and me. She would also have to have a bunch of surgeries and she would be in the NICU for a while. We were devastated by the news and it took a while to wrap our heads around what it would mean for our family. Questions swirled. How would we manage Peyton at the hospital and her three big brothers at home? How many surgeries would she need? How will we make ends meet while trying to care for our baby? Who will take the boys to school while we were at the hospital? Just to name a few. As it turns out, we were blessed with many family and friends who offered to help in any way we needed. Hundreds of people reached out to see what they could do. Quite frankly, we could not have done it without them. We had our army behind us, arrangements were made for our boys to be taken care of, and we just had to wait for the big day to arrive. As we got closer, I was overwhelmed with the thoughts of keeping everyone in the loop about what was happening with our family. We were getting phone calls and texts all day long from our army and I wanted to answer every single person, but it was impossible to keep up. A friend suggested a website called caringbridge.org. It was a space where I could keep our friends and family, our volunteer army updated. It was also a space where I could write down what was going on in my head, a way to decompress. I loved the idea that I could keep everything in one place and I hope to share what was written with Peyton when she's older. This is a blog post from the day I was discharged from the special delivery unit. I think all mothers with a baby who cannot come home with them can relate to this. Feeling disconnected. Hello, friends. We are home. It was a long day, and it felt like forever for us to be discharged from the hospital, but they kicked us out of the special delivery unit. It was an emotional day for me. I had been feeling a bit disconnected this entire time. I felt the pains of labor but was knocked out for the C-section before reaping the benefits of having a baby swept up and placed in my arms during the first few minutes after the great push. I missed the chance to feed her for the first time at birth and the first time I saw her she had tubes everywhere. I could not hold her when I first saw her because I was too sick from the anesthesia. Finally, on the first full night we were in the hospital, I held her in my arms and she was so beautiful in spite of all those tubes. She looked at me briefly and fell back to sleep. I could only hold her for 20 minutes because they had to get her back under the UV lights to help her bil- bilirubin levels. She went for her surgery the next morning and the staff in the NICU, although nice, were not very good at communicating. They came and got her before we had a chance to see her in the morning. We agonized for three hours waiting for news and finally Peyton surgeon arrived to give us the news that we were prepared to hear from the beginning. She came through fine and she is a trooper, but she has a complicated case and she will have a hard road ahead. Hopefully her father and I will bear the brunt of that road and she will not remember much. We got to see her after the surgery. It was a shock to the system. She was in pain, you could tell. She had a belly full of tubes and a few extra cuts where they used an instrument. It was a mother's worst nightmare, a child crying and no way to help them. To me, she looked terrible and the only thing I could do was stand there and cry, stroke her head and sing Jehovah God is my shepherd to her in hopes that she remembers hearing me sing that to Weston at night while she was in my belly. I just want to hold her and I cannot. The nurse gives her an extra dose of pain meds and she calms down. Now I just need something to calm me down. I go back to my room and try to pump but nothing comes. For three and a half days nothing comes. Maybe it's this disconnected feeling I have or I'm just not used to pumping this early after giving birth. I pray that something happens soon because it is the only thing I can do for my daughter. I've even resorted to drinking a disgusting can of beer with the hopes that it will help with lactation. And now we are home, but a piece of us is still missing, lying in a small little bed 45 minutes away, unaware of the big splash she made into this world, unaware of how crazy she has made me from day one, But hopefully she already knows she is loved, not only by her mommy and daddy and her big brothers, but her extended family and friends too. I'm signing off now to finish this awful beer, pump and put these poor swollen elephant trunk feet to bed. An early day tomorrow, back down to the hospital with some news of how the ultrasound she had today went. Hopefully some more news tomorrow. Our love to all of you out there. Thank you for the support and kind words here in the blog and phone calls as well.
0: Oh, thank you. How does that feel reading it back now, even nine years ago?
1: I'll cry later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brought a tear to my eye. Okay, Ryan, what's your what's your experience of, of that time?
2: It was definitely overwhelming, um, especially um, having natural births with um, my three boys. It's def- it was definitely altering. Um, it was a challenge. But despite all of that, the outcome was great because even though we had some complications, we know that it was it was a life that that came into the world. So we have to we had to make the best of it. And we had to actually put a good front on for the rest of the family mm-hmm. because uh, our ch- our children, too, they, they needed they needed um, our attention as well. But definitely Peyton needed our attention also. So we had to have a good balance.
0: And what was what was the most challenging time in those early years?
1: I think because we chose to go out of state for her care, the being away from the boys.
2: Disconnection.
1: The, the disconnection with the boys initially. They were little. Her, Peyton's next oldest brother was only two. Feel like we missed a lot of time with him at an important age because we were I, I mean i can't say we were away a ton ton but we were i was away a significant amount of time um in pretty long stretches so it was kind of a tear to be leaving and then coming back and then going for doctor's appointments and coming back and and i think for ryan as well like i was the one that stayed behind with her But he wanted to be there too, right?
0: Yes, for being very difficult on you, Ryan.
1: Yeah, and it's hard because he was trying to provide for us and be there for the boys and support me. So we had—you can't tell, but there's a lot of gray hairs in here somewhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, One one issue that doesn't really get talked about a lot but i know from talking to the families it is a massive issue is it the effect it has on the siblings how how do you think it with your boys it affected them with you being away and the care that you have to the extra care that you have to give Peyton. uh
1: definitely our son weston um he has some lingering anxiety from it from um, me being away that we've had to you know, help him with therapy and, and medications to get it under control so it doesn't control his life. So I think out of all three of the boys, he suffered the most because I think it was a very, he was young and didn't understand when everything was going on because he was only two. Yep. Um, so I think he's had the, the most effect um whereas the other two boys Landon was 4 and Aiden was 6 so a little bit older i mean i don't think they cared as much per se cuz they were older and they were hanging out with their grandparents and their cousins but i think even now they get very anxious when we go down to the hospital yeah all three of
0: them and do you find you sort of like Yourself, you feel like you have to give more attention to Weston a bit because of those early years.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, just recently, because we've gone through um, a lot of inpatient stays with Peyton over the last eight months um, for some complications that she's having, and Landon even said to me the other day because they can't visit because of COVID, they have actually never really visited her, visited her, other than her stay in the NICU. And that was even like right before we were discharged. I can't even remember them being able to come and visit because we were always away in Ohio and they weren't, they didn't come with us. So I think they have that fear of the unknown because they didn't get to see her in the hospital that they, they couldn't tell what was going on with her. So, I mean, this even recently Landon, the middle son had said, I really hate it when she Peyton goes to the hospital because they don't know how she is or what they're doing. So There's that that unknown um, because she's never really had them come and visit because of either flu season or COVID or we were away in the hospital that said they've never really spent time with her to see how she is or what they have had to do to help her get better. So I think there's that fear of the unknown for them.
0: And how do they, are they sort of like aware of the issues she has with the toilet and all that?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. From the very beginning, we didn't really hide anything from them. It's kind of hard when you have a tiny house and only two <laughs> bathrooms. Yeah. So they, they I mean, they understand um, the majority of it. We don't really discuss the girl stuff with them. Oh, of course, yes. yes, <laughs> they, wouldn't yes. Know, they don't really know what to talk about anyway, but. Yeah, they are fully aware that, you know, she's got some issues and throughout Peyton's time, they've always hung out with her in the bathroom when they need when they wanted to, especially when they were younger. We have tons of pictures of them all hanging out with her, playing on the tablet or watching a show while she was taking care of business. So they've always been part of it. I don't think she's not quite at the age yet where she's, you know, a teenage girl and she doesn't want her brothers anywhere near her yet. We're getting there, but not quite yet.
0: <laughs> and, and how does now the Peyton's are like nine years old. Does she say much about like how she has to spend more time in the toilet and all that than her brothers or anything along those lines?
1: She did a little bit when she was younger. She's asked us questions like, you know, why do I have to do this? But she's always been, I think, because we started the process of down management with her very early on she was not even two yet that it's always been part of her life like she doesn't know a time that is any different for her we've made it a point to not really apologize for her lot in life quote unquote lot in life but we've said this is how it is let's do it and move forward and be done So I think that she has had questions over the years, but she's also been a very. She was just standing here. A very. (laughs) I'll have her come say hi in a minute. She's also been very compliant medically.
0: Can we talk about how how did you go when it got to the schooling stage? Because you know you've been there through that stage a bit now.
1: Yes. Fun. And
0: that's one issue that a lot of parents of younger kids really it's front of mind as you know
1: here in Pennsylvania she's considered disabled according to Pennsylvania's laws basically Um, she's considered disabled so in when school started for her she was placed on a 504 plan which helps with um, kids with disabilities so for Peyton she had to um, calf for urine every two hours. Um, and then just make sure that she was clean from any accidents she might have had, which thankfully by the time she was in kindergarten, we had her very well under control. There I don't think there was ever a time where I needed to go and get her for an accident or even have any of the nurses clean her up. So her part was her having to stay on a cathing schedule every two hours. But the, the nurses that we dealt with, we, she was in two different elementary schools so far. Um, we moved after she was in kindergarten. So the nurse in kindergarten and then her nurse for first grade were different, but they were extremely kind and very helpful. So we never had any major issues. Um, she would go down to the nurse and take care of her business. No one bothered her. I mean, some of the little kids asked questions, but the teachers handled it awesome. Oh. Um, they just, <laughs> her kindergarten teacher said, you know, it's none of your business. Just leave her alone. Her kindergarten teacher taught my bull, all three of the boys. So I had a long relationship with her. So she was very no nonsense and it was very helpful. Um, getting Peyton started for her kindergarten career. And Peyton, as I said, has always been medically compliant. She started caffing on her own at four, which according to her urologist, the CHOP is like completely crazy and amazing because he sees kids all day long that have no interest in learning anywhere close to four. So school has been great. I mean, the last year with COVID, she stayed home with me and she'll be staying home again this year because she did have a lot of medical um, stuff going on uh, the end of 2020. So it was actually a blessing that she was home with us, that we could homeschool her because she would have been out of school almost two and a half months, just from hospital stays. So it's been an adventure.
0: I imagine so. And Ryan, how has your experience been with it all? Because a lot of the times the dads really don't get a chance to express themselves or like, in the support groups and all that, it's for 95% of the mothers. And so we don't get to hear a lot from the dad. So it's really interesting to hear how you've dealt with it from an emotional point of view as well, supporting Laura and the kids.
2: Yes. It, it's definitely a toll. It, you, you definitely, your, your heart definitely goes out because of um, it's unforeseen occurrences that happen and you just try to make the best of it. You want to try to me as, you know, the man in the family, the head of the house, try to try, we try to do the best we can. We want to be there for everybody in the family. And um, it's difficult because you, there's sort of some boundaries, but I'm, I'm going to try to I'm, I'm a hands on guy. So I try to incorporate as much as I can with Peyton's condition. So I'm, I'm, I'm there to, to help Laura as much as I possibly can. Um, I know there's going to get to a certain time in in her life that I, I can't cater anymore. you know during this time right now I'm, I'm I'm there and willing to help to to be a support for the whole family you know as long as with the other kids as well you know you want mm-hmm. to try to have a good balance with giving Peyton attention but also the other kids as well giving yeah. them
0: attention. And how has that balance been like, Laura was mentioning, like, you know, because she's been away a lot with Payton. how's that been with dealing with the boys and the compensating a little bit from between what Peyton's needs are and the boys' needs are?
2: It's, it's definitely a struggle, but um, you try to um, you buy out the opportune time, so it's it's um, so my needs take a back burner. So, what I want to do is give um, Peyton what attention for her and then also have a good balance for the kids so I the the boys I I take them out take them away from the the house why why Peyton gives attention to to pay uh well Laura gives attention <laughs> to Peyton <laughs> yeah. but um you know there's there's areas that in in our in our area there's like miniature golf and driving range so I I do things that the kid. The boys will would like to do yeah. so they're they're not neglected
0: yeah yeah and you spoke about you've had a really good bowel pro- management program for a while now laura can you just explain what she's on or and how that sure. comes out
1: sure um so they when she had her uh colostomy reversal um dr penny had said to us you know let's see how it goes as far as bowel management was concerned. Um, we figured we would need, you know, to intervene that it wasn't going to be super easy because of, you know, just the inherent nature of um, the defect she was born with. So after colostomy reversal, we went through the usual challenge of, you know, keeping her clean and managed, but after about a month or so, it was nonstop. So we, we called back to Ohio, um, to talk to the the nurses there and they had put her on, um, Senna liquid Senna cause she was still little at that time. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so we started with that and it was miserable, absolutely miserable. I call it poop jail. And it's a phrase I use a lot in the support group. We couldn't go anywhere because we never knew when she was going to explode. And boy, I have some insane stories of times where I dared to leave the house so we were miserable for about eight months or so, eight, nine months and called back to Ohio again or back to Ohio again to Cincinnati at the time. That's where Dr. Penny was. And they had us come for bowel management boot, week, uh, boot camp week and we trialed animus and it was awesome. Peyton, it took her like three or four days really by the time we left boot camp and came home. She was setting things up herself. I have an adorable picture of her in the bathroom um, setting up her enema for her teddy bear. Isn't that amazing? We never looked back, honestly. We did enemas from the time she was 22 months until she had a surgery for Maloon um, when she was six or seven, between six and seven. I can't remember the exact dates. Um, so we were doing rectal enemas. For a very long time, we did go back to Ohio before we got the Malone to trial um, Xlax again. And again, couldn't deal with the inconsistency. Even though she was a little bit older, it just wasn't our deal. We just didn't want to do it anymore. So we, she had the surgery for the Malone, and it's been awesome, life-changing. I don't have to stare at her butt anymore. She does things on her own. And um, um, how
0: did she how did she tolerate the rectal enemas for so long that, like mentally did she she was fine
1: it was fine yeah. really and truly I mean we had our days where she didn't feel like doing it um so we would either change the time like we didn't have to keep to the same exact schedule every single day we didn't you know if it went 25 or 26 hours before she had another enema, it wasn't a big deal but you know we it, we kept it as special for her as possible especially when she was younger she got her tablet on the toilet she got to watch a movie have snacks yep. um, we just did what we could to make it fun for her and she never really um, complained more than what I would assume a normal three four or five year old would to have to stop and do <clears throat> anything for an hour
0: yeah well, that um, that's the great result because you hear. A lot of stories about not being able to tolerate. And with them alone, has she got to the stage where she can set it all up herself yet?
1: Yep, absolutely. Yep, beginning to end, she can do it all herself. I pour the solution into the bag for her so she doesn't spill it everywhere. We may actually get rid of her overnight at some point.
0: (laughs) You said you've, you've had some issues over the last 12 months. Would you like to talk about those?
1: Oh, yes. Drama, drama, drama. Hospital drama. Uh, During the raging pandemic, October 2020, she punctured her bowel, uh, threading the catheter into her malone. For those unfamiliar, I'll just describe it briefly. Um, When you get a malone, the doctor takes the appendix and brings it up to the surface of the belly button. So you couldn't even really tell that she had a hole in her belly. So she would thread a catheter that was attached to a gravity bag to do her flush. And she pushed the catheter in too hard one day and thankfully went through the appendix and through her cecum. So she punched a hole into her cecum and all 500 uh, mls of saline flooded her abdominal cavity.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah, it was very scary. It's the sickest we've ever seen her. I was about 90% sure that's what she did to herself. She passed out from the pain. Um, We rushed her down to um, the hospital. They did a bunch of tests on her. She had an ultrasound. They were looking at her heart to see if the fluid had gotten uh, to around her heart. And of course had a COVID test and then got whisked back for emergency surgery. Um, Spent a week in the hospital took her bowels a really long time to wake up. Um, She had Ilias for a while, NG tube, the whole nine yards. Um, So that was uh, very end of October into November. She was released from the hospital after seven days, followed up with the surgeon. Everything was fine. Uh, The surgery was fairly easy. He said he stitched her up and tested to make sure that there was nothing leaking. So unfortunately after that, we haven't been able to put a finger on exactly what's going on, but she's had urinary tract infections basically every six to eight weeks since December, right around the last week of December, she had her first one. And unfortunately for her and for us, she has a very high tolerance for pain and just pushes through and keeps on going. The only thing that makes her stop is a high fever. Um, So with every UTI, she's had five now um, since December. We don't know she's sick until she's uh, vomiting, lethargic, and feverish. And by that point, it's too late to treat her orally with oral medications because she's vomiting and can't keep anything down. So we end up back down at the hospital. Um, So she's been inpatient five times, I think, since then. And we've ended up going back and forth um, to Washington, D.C. We followed Dr. Mark Levitt to Washington, D.C. and have had a consult with him and Dr. Varda, the urologist. Um, She had some testing down there and they feel that she has developed a fistula between her her bladder, so her bladder neck and her vagina somewhere. They aren't confident that that is the reason for the UTIs because she either developed a fistula And it's a recent thing, or she always had it and it was not caught and taken care of surgically early on, which is likely a possibility as well. So she was actually supposed to have a surgery in September and they've put it off for now. We're status quo at the moment. She's been symptom free for, I think this week is week nine. I don't like to say it out loud. <laughs> well. We're on week nine in the clear, so we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, and and for those listeners who aren't fully aware of cloaca malformation, it's a very complex malformation that occurs in sort of like, it's. I think it's one in 20,000 little girls. Yes. I know there's a lot of adults in the adult group that the UTIs is a very common
1: mm-hmm.
0: issue with that. Just one thing. You say after she had that incident with the, when she was capping herself with the Malone, how has she, how did she handle it afterwards? Did that frighten her to do the Malone
1: after that? No, frightened me. (laughs) (laughs) I was petrified. We actually, um, after she messed herself up, I called down to Dr. Levitt and said, hey, we need to come see you. First of all, we want to make sure that the surgery was correct, but we want, we want to make sure this doesn't happen again. And he suggested uh, it's called a mini ACE. So it's a very small appliance that is now in her belly button. It's like everything- Yeah, it's basically a plug. It's a glorified plug, um, but it makes it so that we don't have to thread a catheter anymore. You, there's a little connector piece and it connects to the appliance in her belly button. And we don't have to worry about her puncturing her bowel again. I think when she's older and probably a little bit more responsible and mature, we'll try again, take it out. She's just rough. She's a rough kid.
0: Must have gave you <laughs> a lot of peace of mind to have that, though.
1: Yes, it is. It's been great because we, we had a lot of problems with her, the Malone hole closing up. So she'd have to have a plug in at all times with a piece of tape over it. So this keeps us from having to worry about the um, the Malone closing up. And us having to worry about she already had to have a surgery to reopen it a year after she got the Malone in the first place. So even though it's something sticking out of her stomach, it doesn't bother her. She doesn't care.
0: Sounds a very resilient young lady.
1: Yes, very resilient. She doesn't really stop her.
0: How did you handle that recent uh, surgery and all that, Ryan? It would have brought back a lot of memories, I suppose, and issues.
2: It it definitely did. Um, it, it's it's an emotional roller coaster with 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 Peyton. You never know what you're going to get sometimes. So you 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 try to make the best out of the circumstance, but um, it, it definitely was overwhelming. Um, but having a good support group and always talking and having a good communication with um, Laura as well, and which um, was. Who's up there?
0: Oh there's, there's everybody, been. we have just been joined by the wonderful <laughs> young Peyton. How are you, Peyton? Good. Oh, I've just been talking to your mum and dad, and they've been telling me how it's such you're such a brave and strong young lady.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and how are you feeling at the moment?
1: Good. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You're you're looking after your brothers or you get keeping them under control?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you talk, you talk nonstop. How come you're all clammed up? Yeah, hand? your
0: mum says you don't, <laughs> you always talk.
1: <laughs> oh yes, I'm nonstop. Stop.
0: And, and how do you, how do you, your mum tells me you do your, when you go to the bathroom, you do it all yourself and you can do everything.
1: You're a very good girl to be
0: able to do that.
1: You know your recipe? What's your recipe? What do we do for you? Do you remember? No, you don't remember.
0: You like going in there, having time away from your brother so you can play on your screen? Oh, yes.
1: Tell tell Greg, what do you do when you're um, hanging out with your tablet? What have you been up to these days since the (laughs) pandemic? What do you play the most? Minecraft and Roblox. Minecraft and Roblox.
0: Oh, really? Oh, wow, that's good. And you enjoy school? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's
1: good. You, listen, we're recording it, so you got to talk loud so we can hear you. <laughs> Are you you're,
0: you're, yeah. you're very famous. You're in the book, you're in the book, you know. That you, you know, you're in that book, yeah. yeah hey, not a so many little girls will be looking up to you and say, Oh, I, I'll be. Look at how Peyton goes. She does so well and who have some similar, similar tummy issues to you. And they'll look at you and think, oh, I want to be just like Peyton.
1: She doesn't know it, but she's been an inspiration to other little girls and boys, her, younger than her and older than her.
0: Try to share- You're my hero. You know that?
1: <laughs> you hear that? How is that even possible? I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh all- my. Nah. She's uh, playing Roblox with one of her girlfriends at the moment. That's all we do anymore since we don't get to see too many people yet.
0: No, that's right. Now, one thing I'd like to mention is what a lot of listeners won't, won't realize is Laura is one of the most important people in the IAARM community in the world.
1: No, because, no, 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 no.
0: Because she is an admin of the USA Imperfect anus group. So, and I can tell you the amount. I'm just- no, don't undersell yourself, Laura. Don't undersell yourself, Laura. So can you just give me a talk about, what the group means to you and some of your experiences on the group and why you're so passionate, just like I am about helping others and educating because they, so many parents turn to you for advice. I know that for sure.
1: Um, It's been emotional, but I think also cathartic for me. I feel like sometimes I spend too much time in the group trying to help others, but I think a lot of it stems from um, when Peyton was born. We stayed at our home hospital when we shouldn't have. Um, I mean, they took excellent care of her at birth, but um, her original surgeon really messed her up. And I think that is, was and still is traumatizing so I was kind of determined to, never, to not let that happen for other parents, if possible. I think that's the biggest issue in the group. I want every kid, and I say it all the time in the group, everyone deserves to poop. When someone new comes on and they're struggling, like everyone deserves to have a cleansing poop every single day, no matter what. And if your doctor isn't helping you do that, you need to find another one. So a lot of the families that come find the group, I feel like it's really, I mean, as a mom, there's a lot of Facebook groups out there for parental support and for anything you can think of. But this group in particular has been absolutely amazing. Very little drama, very supportive, very helpful. If somebody needs um, a gravity bag and they're in the middle of the desert, they'll find someone in the group that is able to either bring it to them or mail it to them. I joined the group probably, I think Peyton was almost a year, not quite a year old. She she hadn't had all of her surgeries yet. And I think we had just joined and just the information I got from the group helped us make a lot of decisions for her care. Um, and it gave me or gave us less of a struggle because we knew what we had to do. It's very gut-wrenching when parents come in and they didn't know about the group and their kids are teenagers and have been struggling their whole lives. It makes me sad but grateful that they're there now. So I think that's kind of what drives me because I have to save them all. <laughs> yeah. So we- part of it, it's very, it can be very stressful. I want to save everyone. Um, so I kind of do what I can in the group. Um, do a whole job. We're trying. Yeah.
0: and I trying. and I know, I know as well that for some when when adults come along, yeah, and they've been lost for so long, and you know, you let me know, when we bring them into the adult group where they can talk openly and all that, because it can be very difficult for adults. Yes, going into the group where it's predominantly a parent parental group and. Yeah their experiences are so much different. Like we've never had any assistance like since we've left the pediatric care. So,
1: And I I think that the parents in the group are very grateful for the adults that come and stay and share their experiences with us. Because I think, you know, as a parent going through all the surgeries and the care and all that stuff, we kind of get in our heads about certain things. So, I mean, we've had, you know, some adults not agree with everything that was said or done in the group. Um, But for the most part, we really appreciate when the adults come and share um, their experiences and how they view their condition and how they take care of themselves. It gives, it gives the parents hope for the future above all else that, you know, we're not stuck in this circle of, Will things ever be quote-unquote normal again? We have, you know, your example and all the other adults who have shared over the years. It gives us hope. yes yeah, well, definitely. What
0: we try to do and we sort of like, we give a, we come at it from a different perspective and especially from the mental health side of things. Yeah, exactly, that's, exactly. And that's been lack, lacking over the journey. So we try to, you know, just, encourage people to get parents to seek that help if you need it. And, yes. the, and the one thing I'm very big on too is parents doing their own self-care because you can't go through this and not come out with some sort of issues like if it's PTSD yeah. or, you know, yeah, uh, walk into a hospital and it all starts, it just hits you again.
1: Oh, yes. Every time we walk into the children's hospital at home, the smell of the hand sanitizer brings me back to the NICU. I don't know what that thing's called. There's a, a, some sort of toy down in the main lobby that you put a ball in and it goes to this huge obstacle course that comes out the other end and it chimes and it makes noise. Every time I hear it, it just brings me back to walking around the hospital in the middle of the night, trying to stay awake or not stay or try and get sleep and all she could hear is the chimes as as compliant as Peyton has been I completely understand that at some point she will get therapy even if it's just to talk out a couple of things and if she doesn't need any more she doesn't need any more but um
0: Absolutely. and saying that good- you and Ryan did you ever need to seek any assistance from that perspective
1: we have not yeah. should we Probably. It's definitely taken a toll. We've had our ups and downs. Um, last year was particularly rough. COVID did not help. All the recent surgeries or the recent surgery and all the hospital stays did not help. It's very stressful, especially this last year. Cause you know, we have a great support system, but we also didn't want anyone to die from COVID. So yep. before the, of, you know, the last few months, um, without getting a whole lot of help because we just didn't want our, you know, we rely on both sets of our parents um, to help and we couldn't take that chance until the vaccines came out. Um, it's been better recently. But yeah, I think the last year especially has taken a toll on us. We're very tired.
0: Brian, if, if you're talking to someone who's listening to this for the first time in they just a new dad, I'm wondering what the future holds, and what would your best piece of advice be?
1: Ooh, tough one, Greg.
0: That is a tough one. <laughs>
2: um, definitely, you have to be optimistic. You would have to um, e- expect the unexpected. Is always a key phrase that I use in in all aspects of life, because you never know what's going to occur. But if you if your mindset's more towards uh, having an adjustment, it's easier to deal with. But always communication. Always um, don't be afraid to ask questions. You have all these support groups. Use them. Make sure that you are, are aware. Make sure, And I would say also that you're not alone. Never feel that you're alone because you have these support groups and and take advantage of it. I'm a strong believer that maybe more fathers should be part of these support groups. So they can, they can confide in them. Cause usually, you know, you have that manly sort of like, uh, I can do whatever, or I don't want to talk to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. want to talk to another guy. Right. (laughs) But, um, that
1: rough exterior
2: exactly, but that can go a long way. Just, um, just opening up and making sure that, um, you know, that you're not alone. And we should have, um, you know, more, uh, more men towards these, um, these support groups. And so they can, they can open up.
0: Yeah. I think that's very sage advice. And, um, unfortunately, as males, we, We've got this issue that anything below the waist is sort of like oh, out of bounds, and we it, yep. and it's sort of like oh well, the mums can handle that a lot better than the dads. I don't know whether it's like we don't feel like we should be involved, but it's just a it's a part of the male makeup, isn't it?
1: Very taboo subject to begin with.
0: Unfortunately,
1: figure out where that line gets drawn of how much you talk about it.
0: Yes, yes, I totally understand. Totally understand. And Laura, what would your if you were talking to Laura nine years ago?
1: Oh my goodness!
0: (laughs) What would you say to her?
1: Um, stop eating like you're pregnant. (laughs) No, just kidding. Um, but no, seriously, I would say that too. I guess being in the IA USA support group, every time somebody new joins, they I can see how grateful they are and they feel that they're not alone anymore. I felt very lonely in the beginning. I mean, even though it's surrounded by people, but when you become a medical mom or a medical dad, things change drastically in your life. You, you know You can't nurture some friendships that you had for years. A lot of things get pushed to the side. I kind of felt like I wasn't me anymore. I was Peyton's mom. So, you know, practice self-care. I feel like I'm the pot calling the kettle black here (laughs) because I'm very bad at doing it. Um, But, you know, eking out a little bit of time for yourself and for your spouse and your partner and knowing that you're not alone and get yourself a support group in any way that you can. And I think that's the case for anyone that has a special needs child. You need the support because, you know, it already takes a village to raise a kid. So I think it takes two villages to raise a kid with medical needs. So nine year, nine year ago me, you're not alone. Take care of yourself. Put down that donut. Very uh, <laughs> Just kidding.
0: <laughs> comfort food. Donuts are the best thing.
1: Yes. Really, honestly, <laughs> I was never that person. But kids with medical needs is very stressful, extremely stressful. And I've always been a stress eater. So find a different outlet. Take some time for yourself. Um, find a healthy outlet if you can, as much as you can. And try not to focus too much on the unknown. And the, what's going to happen in 10 years? Um, because I've said it before to parents joining the group that ask, you know, is my kid going to be continent when they're 10 or 20? And the answer is, you just don't know. Just take it day by day. Yeah. Don't try to stress uh, about what's going to happen a year from now or 10 years from now, because you just don't know.
0: I totally advocate for that. I, uh, my greatest, think advice i give the parents is got to live in the moment because yeah yeah you endure the bad days and enjoy the good days because the mm-hmm. bad days will come yes and,
1: exactly
0: and for parents who've got their child's only one month old or two months old and they're worrying about school that's the last thing they should need to worry about
1: yes exactly worry about what's going to happen in six months
0: actually just one other question Did you find from an early age that you would share with family and friends Peyton's uh, conditions or have you found that you're more open and you're more closed now or you're more closed and you're more open now? Like it's it's one thing that gets brought up a
1: lot. Yes, it does. Um, I think early on we relied heavily on CaringBridge And we had, like, a couple of hundred people that were able to see the updates that we did. um, Your outlet? Yeah, it was our outlet, basically. That's how we kept everyone in the loop of what was going on. Because, you know, family, extended family, lots of friends, um, friends of friends. I think we've kind of tapered off how much people know in the last few years. I mean, I've never been one to... like. I've never, we've never really hidden it from anyone. Um, I mean, look at her, you don't think anything's going on. So, you know, we get those kinds of questions, like what's going on with her? Um, You know, people randomly in the street don't come up and say, hey, what's wrong with your child? But I think the last few few years we've taken, taken a more concerted effort to share a little less, I guess you could say. I don't want her to feel like she's alone or that she's weird or that she's completely different from everyone else. Um, So she's very open about the stuff that she has going on. We actually had a recent example, a friend of mine who we haven't seen in a couple of years, they moved about an hour away. So we don't see them frequently. We reconnected um, this summer. They, you know, came to the beach with us and they have a little girl, um, a year younger than Peyton and a, a boy who is Weston's age, our, our third boy. <clears throat> so she, she was asking about a sleepover. And I said, well, you know, Weston can come, but we don't really let Peyton sleep anywhere because you know she's got a night routine that we need to take care of. So we, she's had very few sleepovers. So we said that her little girl could come and sleep over our house. So this would be the first little girl. She has a few girlfriends that know her, you know, intimately, basically have follow her into the bathroom when she was little. Um, she has three uh, close girlfriends um, that pretty much, you know, they're nine. They don't understand everything, but they understand that she's, you know, has a routine. So this would have been the first little girl that was coming into her brand new, not knowing anything was going on with Peyton. So I explained to the mom, you know, listen, I just want to let you know, this is what we do for Peyton. Do you think that this is something your daughter can handle or do you think it will scare her? We don't want her to be scared. She's eight years old. So we went through everything. I didn't go into great detail because she doesn't really know everything, but we wanted to prepare her daughter because when, you know, she sleeps over, she's going to see that Peyton's going to the bathroom frequently and that she has to have overnight drainage. It's not really something you can hide. And Peyton was fine with it. She's like, yeah, I don't care. Let her come. I don't think she's embarrassed by anything really yet. I think that time will definitely come. So because of that, um, and honestly, because I listened to and read the posts of parents in the group um, who have said, you know, it's not really our place to share Peyton's medical history or life with everyone we meet. So I, we've definitely tapered it down a bit. And now when people ask, you know, we have a lot of friends that were asking about her surgery that she was supposed to have in September. Um, so, you know, we just say, you know, she's got some issues with her bladder. She's had a lot of illness lately. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They're going to give her surgery to try and hopefully fix it. You know, we kind of leave things brief, but my entire, our t- entire family, like both sets of parents, my sisters and brother-in-laws his brothers and his one sister-in-law they know you know pretty much everything we don't hide it per se
0: and that must help as well because you then you you don't have to feel guarded with what you say when you are going through those difficult stages
1: yes get you some friends to vent to absolutely even if it's only two or three or even one something somebody other than your parents to to vent to have a have a good friend that you can confide in um and talk about it with i think that's really important
0: laura and ryan i can't thank you enough for being so open and really i know it's people are going to really resonate with what you've said giving both a mother and a father's perspective and talking about the siblings which is really important And we were very, very fortunate to have a special appearance by Peyton, which was wonderful. (laughs) So
1: we we dragged her away from her uh, Roblox for two minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So thanks very much for joining the Rare and Resilient One in 5000 podcast. And once again, you're doing a wonderful job. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.